0: 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 because there's no chapter 5 in 2 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and Hebrews chapter number 2. Thank the Lord for the blood of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 21. This slipped past when we were wrapping up 1 Thessalonians, the Bible says in verse 21, Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Hold fast that which is good. In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 1, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 1, Therefore, we ought to give the mornest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. These past two weekends, we have traveled to 11 different towns, cities, in our small area, just one little part of the U.S. of A. And in those towns are hundreds and hundreds of churches and in those towns are thousands and thousands of professing Christians and lining those streets have been untold numbers of people, many of whom grew up in a Christian church, many of whom grew up in a Bible teaching Sunday school, many of whom would in some faint recollection, recall that at some point in time at a VBS or a Sunday school rally or a revival meeting said some sort of a prayer to some sort of a Jesus and received some sort of a salvation. But I believe that what ails our land is not Republican politics and Democrat politics and Hollywood philosophy and it's the fact that so many people once held a faith tightly and then held that faith loosely and now it has all slipped through their fingers and fallen to the ground and their hands are empty. They're reaching for some satisfaction on the television, they're reaching for some satisfaction on the internet, they're reaching for some satisfaction in the bar, they're reaching for some satisfaction in a relationship, and yet their hands are empty. And the Bible would, would say to us this morning that the, we can't preach this morning to the people that have fallen by the wayside. We can preach this morning to those who are present on a Sunday morning in a Bible-believing church. Are you holding fast to the truths that God placed in your heart? Are you holding fast to the things that you once knew to be true and, and, and loved and believed and stood for and, and built your life upon? Or has your grip become soft and are those things slipping out of your hands and slipping through your fingers and... A year from now, will you look and have nothing? There are some large, large, large church buildings throughout our town, our county, our state. This morning, 20 people sitting in a 200-seat auditorium, 12 people sitting in a 300-seat auditorium. What happened to all those people? they weren't taken to a concentration camp. Christianity wasn't banned and they had to sacrifice their lives. Someone didn't come in and demand that they burn their Bibles and renounce Christ. No, somewhere along the way, dad lost his grip. Somewhere along the way, mom loosened her hold Somewhere along the way, grandmother and grandfather compromised and yielded and one family after another saw the truths of the gospel and the vital importance of Christianity slip out of their hands. Now they're trying to find joy in hanging fake icicles off their gutters. Trying to find joy in Putting a hat on a snowman and having him dance through town, trying to find joy in adding to their debt load by purchasing obligatory gifts for people they don't even care about anymore. What's happened in our land is not a a rejection of biblical Christianity. It's a failure to appreciate its importance and its value and to hold on to it with tenacity and strength and determination. I don't know many people who have renounced Jesus Christ. I know a lot of people who have pushed him to the very farthest back closet of their home. I don't know many people who have denied that the Bible is the Word of God. Oh, they would still say, oh yes, that's God's Word. But couldn't tell you the last time they read it. And I don't know many people that would call for the banishment of churches. But they've banished church from their life. And what I want to know tonight is, are you the man who somehow slipped from the high scaffolding on the construction site and is clinging to that top bar of that. (laughs) You're going to die if you lose your grip. How tenaciously would you hold to that in hopes of someone pulling you back up and getting you back to a place of safety? Or do you not realize the danger and you just kind of Turned it loose and slipping and falling, and hoping it'll be a soft landing. You know, somewhere this morning, somewhere this morning, a parent is deciding do I want to hold on to this Christianity thing? Do I want to let it slip and hope my children don't crash too hard? Somewhere this morning, a married man, a married woman, they're deciding, do I, do I want to hang in there or do I want to just let go and hope God will cushion the fall? Those choices have been made by enough people by now that you, you should know how it turns out. Right. You shouldn't have to learn by experience. Yeah. Now on the flip side of that, Everyone, everyone in America who wants to know Jesus Christ as their Savior is close enough to someone who loves the Lord, close enough to someone who speaks on his behalf, close enough to someone who is happy to be a witness that they could be saved this morning if they desired to be. Thank God there are enough houses of worship left in this land where anyone that woke up this morning and said, I want a new life, I'm tired of this sin could find a place where the word of God is preached, where the Bible is upheld and seek out that place and hear the truth and be saved. Thank God for it. What I want to know this morning, what I, what I hope to encourage you with this morning, you can live out your days holding fast to that which is good. or You can join the ranks of those who loosened their grip and let it slip and fell by the wayside. You can be part of something that God is blessing and God is using all the way till you cross over the other side by death or by the rapture. Or you can just join that bunch of discontented people who murmur and complain about life and say, oh yeah, I used to be one of those Jesus people. I used to be one of those church people Salvation's entirely up to God. Your victorious Christian life, much of it is in your hands. How, how badly do you want this thing? If a man came and tried to rob you of your possessions, would you hand them over or would you do what you could to defend them? If a man came and tried to take your wife from you, tried, a woman came and tried to tried to beguile your husband away from you, how terrible Strong would be your hold upon those vows that you made and that commitment that you made. I wonder this morning, the Bible, the Bible, how, how tightly are you clinging to the Word of God? The church that God puts you in, how tightly are you clinging to that fellowship? The truths that you have learned that revolutionized your life as your life begins to become chaotic and in disarray and things seem to be un- unraveling, could it, could it be that you've loosened your hold on the good things? There are four of them in particular the Bible mentions. Revelation chapter 3, let's go there. Revelation chapter number 3. God doesn't just tell us to hold fast that which is good. He identifies the very things The Bible says in Revelation chapter three, starting at verse number seven, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. Thou hast a little strength, hast kept my word, not denied my name, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan which say they're Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee because thou hast kept the word of my patience. I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast. Hold that fast which thou hast that no man take thy crown. God gave this church an open door and none could shut that door. God gave this church great opportunities and no one could take away those opportunities. They were living in a day and time when Satan was powerfully and evidently at work in their midst and couldn't touch them, could not harm or hinder them because of their faith in Jesus Christ and their devotion to his word. What did he tell them? Don't let it go. Nobody can shut the door. You can lose your interest in walking through that door. Satan himself can't wreck this work of God that's being done in your lives and in the lives of your congregation, but you can let it fall from your hands. And do you understand, salvation is the everlasting gift of God. Thank the Lord for that. But your victory in life, your contentment in life, your rewards at the judgment seat of Christ, those can fall from your hands. Those can slip from your fingers. The Bible says in, in 2 John verse 8, Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Colossians 2.18, let no men beguile you of your reward. I don't want to be a faithfully married man for 40 years and then an unfaithful man in year 41. I don't want to be devoted to Jesus Christ when my babies are two and three years old and then they wonder what happened to dad when their babies are two and three years old. I don't want to be a pillar in God's church and then one day be the reason the supports were taken away and the church began to crumble. The Lord didn't write to the Laodiceans. He wrote to the Philadelphians. He didn't write to the carnal church. He wrote to the strongest and best church that he had. He said, I won't close the door. Satan can't stop you, but you need to hold on. You need to hold on to what I've given you. You need to hold on to what I've done for you. You need to hold on to the light and the truth and the fellowship and the blessings that are yours. Satan can't pry them out of your hand. But if you open your hand, they'll just fall out. The world can't stop this great work of God. He said the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Instead of walking through that open door to serve God, you can turn and walk through those gates of hell and just be useless to the Lord for the rest of your days. I don't want to be the man that witnessed to someone for years and years, and the day they finally decide to come with me to church, I have to tell them I don't go anymore. I want to be the one that used to plead with my, my, my coworkers and my companions to come to Christ and when they finally get under conviction and want to come to Christ and they call me, I have to tell them, I don't, I don't do that anymore. I don't want to be that one. Some of you know the heartbreak of children and grandchildren out in the world. What if they come home from the far country and find you sold the house? What well, if they come back down that road and that prodigal's looking, is dad, is dad there, is dad there? Right. And they find out from the neighbors that dad moved into a pig pen too. I'll tell you, if Jesus Christ is the greatest thing ever happened to you, he's worth holding on to. Yeah. If the Bible's a life-changing book and you know it is, it's worth holding on to. If Christian fellowship has helped you through every struggle and trial and heartache and burden you've ever had, it's worth holding on to. The Bible says we ought to hold fast the rewards we've already earned, the good things God's already given us. We shouldn't turn them loose. Titus chapter 1. There's a second thing God tells us to hold to, to cling to with, with all of our might. Titus. Titus chapter number 1. We're looking for leadership in the church and the Bible says in verse number five, for this cause left I, in Crete, I left thee in Crete that thou should have set in order things that are wanting. Yeah, every church has some things that are, are not yet what they ought to be, and so God's put men in the church to help with that. Ordain elders in every city as I appointed thee. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly, the bishop must be blameless, a steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, so... We're going to put people in leadership in our churches that have these things in their lives, that have let the Holy Spirit do these things in their lives. Verse 9, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayer. Our church, if Jesus Christ doesn't come again, our, our church is in its teenage years. 40 years almost is, is nothing. There are churches in this land that have had doors, door, doors open for hundreds of years. And when those churches began, when they were founded, a man stood on a pulpit, deacons served in, in his, uh, to assist him, and they believed the Bible was the Word of God. They believed that Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh. They believed the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleansed from sin and nothing else would do so. Today they're dens of vipers. Today they're dens of iniquity. Today they're filled with all manner of apostasy and blasphemy and false doctrine. Some of you have been shocked to see the statements that have been made against the word of God by the presidents of some of these Ivy League universities. Those schools were founded to train missionaries and pastors. What happened? Somebody didn't hold fast the faithful word as they'd been taught. Somebody along the way said, well, let's take that poster down off the wall. Let's take that one down off the wall. Pretty soon, you have none left at all. I'm telling you, it is great. It is great that God raises up men and God uses men to raise up churches and God raises up families to stand with those men. But that thing's gotta go farther than a founding pastor's beliefs. That thing's gotta go farther than the the support of the first group of men appointed to help that pastor. It has to go to every home and every living room and every dining room table and to every child and then to every grandchild and, and, and we can't let these things slip or there'll be nothing left at all. If you compare what John Wesley taught and preached to the Methodist church of today, you'd think there's no connection whatsoever. If you compared what the founders of the... Uh, The Southern Baptist movement and many independent Baptist churches believed what's being taught under those roofs today. There's no connection whatsoever. We could name one group after another. What happened? What happened? Somebody quit holding tightly. And the next person loosened the grip and tried to balance the thing in an open palm. And the next generation just dumped the truth (laughs) And there's nothing left. Yeah. Nothing left. What I wonder this morning, this this faithful word, do you hold to it as firmly as you once did? You kind of got some doubts about some of the things in the book. Are you are you are you gripping this book of truth like you once did? Are there some things that you uh, that, that can kind of go that doesn't suit me? Some of you, your children, are trying to pry your fingers loose from your Bible. Some of you, a grandchild that's embraced a a perverted lifestyle or a reprobate manner of living is trying to pry that book out of your hands. Your future, their future, your church's future, your nation's future depends upon you holding fast, holding fast. The, the faithful word. Second Corinthians 2.17 says, We are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God speak we in Christ. Genesis 3.1, it was the serpent in his subtlety that said, Yea, hath God said, and cast doubt upon the Bible. In Revelation 28, God's the last thing God the Father ever said. If you think he told you something and it's not in the Bible, uh, that's, that's you. Last thing God put in writing, you can count on. If I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. The last thing God ever said when he finished 66 books of the holy Bible is don't turn loose one thing I put in this book. Amen. Hold it tight, hold it fast, don't let it go, and I don't need you to add anything to it. Leave it as it's written and hold on to it. I ask you, mentally, how's your nation doing without the Bible? Emotionally, how's your nation doing without the Bible? Morally, how's your nation doing without the Bible? How are your schools doing without the Bible? How's your national finances doing without the Bible? You show me one area of a man's life or a country's life that is better when the word of God slips from his fingers and falls from his hand. You can't find one. You can't find one. God said you better hold fast that which is good and the faithful word is very good. And the faithful word is something you should cling to with all your strength. In 2 Timothy chapter one, the third item God underscores, 2 Timothy chapter one, very similar, but a little bit different here. The Bible says in chapter one, verse eight, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us, hallelujah, and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Aren't you glad for saving grace? Amen. Now is made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ with abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles for the which cause all I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Now look what happened here. Paul got saved and he had a lot of trouble. Timothy got saved and he had a lot of trouble. The people they led to Christ got saved and they had a lot of trouble. Trouble gonna make you let go? Trouble gonna make you turn loose? Hard times gonna cause you to loosen your grip on that which is vital, verse 13. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Here we don't have just the words, but the form of the words. The words formed with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, I know men, bless their hearts, they still believe every word of the Bible, but church troubles have made them bitter men, angry men. Cruel men, careless men. That's not the way you receive the word. I know people still believe every word of the Bible is true. But the children's rebellion, maybe maybe trouble in the home, maybe a problem in the church house. Now the Bible is not the blessed source of life. Now the Bible's a club, a weapon. Find a verse to smite you with. Find a verse to stab you with. That's not the way you receive the gospel. I know people, God God says he wants everybody in church first day of the week. I know people hadn't been in church in years and years and years, but they're out there preaching. You can tell by their preaching they're not in fellowship. You can tell by their preaching they're not being taught the fruit of the Spirit The message they preach, very angry, very bitter, very mean-spirited, very calloused, very hard, very indifferent. You know, Paul went into a town like Thessalonica where they worshiped idols and didn't mock the people for their idolatry. He told them about Jesus Christ. He went into Athens, they had 12 gods and an unknown God and Paul didn't make fun of their 12 gods. He said, I'm here to tell you about the unknown God. I'm here to let you know who he is. There was a riot in Ephesus. The people, listen, the people worshiped a a meteorite. They worshiped a rock that fell down out of the sky and thought it represented the goddess Diana. Paul preached the gospel, preached salvation. People started getting saved. The merchants in the town started a, a riot. They arrested Paul and put him in the prison house. And when they settled that riot down, the town's clerk said, these men have not been blasphemers of your gods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. The man in charge of the town that worshiped the goddess Diana said, these guys hadn't said one bad thing about the goddess Diana. Well, then what'd they say? They told him about something a lot better than a rock. Yeah. Something a lot better than a stone fell down out of the sky. The rock. Amen. The stone. The chief cornerstone. The Lord Jesus Christ. You start letting, listen, listen. Some people don't let the word of God slip, but they let the form of sound words slip through their hands. Now the wife is posting Bible verses on the husband's shaving mirror and the husband is dropping Bible verses in the wife's pocketbook and none of it in love, none of it in grace. Children are being browbeaten with Bible verses by parents who don't live the Bible. Church members divided one side against another about to split the church in two and both of them quoting the word of God in support of their carnality. What the Bible said, you ought to hold fast the Word of God, yeah. but you ought to hold fast the way Christ preached it, the way Paul preached it, the way the person who won you to Christ preached it. Somebody, listen. Somebody came to you with the attitude some of these people have. You wouldn't have listened to them. You wouldn't have received it. Listen, to what the Bible says. Just, just let, me, let me read Ephesians 4:15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Second 2 Timothy 2.24, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. Second Corinthians 3.12, seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. Not as Moses put a veil over his face, the children of Israel cannot steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished." We had a young man this many, many, many years ago in another town starting another church. He went out with me to a shopping center and we're giving out gospel tracts in front of the store and the prototypical little old lady pulled up in her car parked her car, got her pocketbook on her arm, got out of her car, and and as she walked up so gingerly to get up onto the curb and across the sidewalk into the grocery store, this young man with a polite smile on his face said, Ma'am, can I give you some good news today about Jesus Christ? And she said, No, I don't want that. And he said, Then go to hell. Time out. Thought we were a little better prepared for this, but apparently we're not. We don't want that lady to go to hell. Well, no, I take it back. I didn't want that lady to go to hell. He apparently did. You know what he did? He spoke the truth, but not in love. He spoke the gospel, or or. A minimal attempt to give the gospel, but not with charity and meekness. And so the Christian who first offered this woman the gospel then became the Christian who gave her good reason to reject it. Mm. We don't do that. We don't do that. You know, I, I know it bothers you, it bothers me when I see someone say no. You offer them the gospel and they say no. When they, when they throw the gospel tract on the ground and laugh and mock and they, and, and they say, I know it hurts you. Hope it does, it hurts me. But one good thing about going to these parades and these events, and I, I would urge you to do it. Yesterday, the... the, the the cheerleading squad, who probably hasn't led a cheer since the early 60s or late 50s. Anyway, the, the cheerleading squad of girls was coming past at the end of the Umatilla parade. And, and so uh, the first row of young ladies, I said, here's some good news about Jesus. Here's a gospel tract. And they laughed and sneered and said, no, I don't want it. And the row right behind them, two of the three girls said, I do, I want one. You know, it's good to go to a group because everybody's not no. Everybody's not scoffing. Everybody's not laughing. Why are you there? Are you there so nobody laughs at you? Are you there so those two girls can take that gospel tract, go on their way? Another man walked by. He was wanting you to vote Republican because that'll save America. Offered him, I think Justin offered a gospel track. He said, No, don't have any pockets. But as he walked past, I noticed that he had his wallet in his back pocket. And a part of me (laughs) wanted to tell him what a low down liar he was and how he's going to. But then he would never take a tract from anyone. So we want to hold tight to the Word of God. We also want to hold tight of the the way the words are formed, the form of sound words. Grace seasoned with salt. It was a common prank back in my day. You didn't put meth in somebody's food. You open the, unscrewed the lid of the salt shaker. And your friend across the table would go to put salt on his fries and the whole, <laughs> low end humor. Salt on French fries is really good. I don't eat that. Espi- I, I know. It's okay. It's okay. But if you're going to eat french fries, they're better with salt. We used to have a family here. They'd go to McDonald's. they get the, the meal. They'd eat the burger at night, put the fries in the fridge and eat them for breakfast. Seriously. Why not just have crayons? <laughs> About the same effect. You just take that fry and just go ahead and put it in your artery. Just, just right Anyway, Salt on fries is pretty good, but the entire container of salt on your fries, you can't eat it. And a little salt in the preaching, a little salt in the witnessing, okay, but if it's all salt, nobody's swallowing it. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, nobody wants it. So, my Lord, help us to hold fast to the form of of sound words. And then one more, one more. There's there's a fourth. Hebrews chapter number four. Hebrews chapter four. We know these verses about the Bible. Verse number 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharpened a two-edged sword, piercing even dividing asunder of soul and spirit, the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is any creatures not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest. Well, Jake sang about that this morning. That is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Have you ever professed Christ as your Savior? Hold on to that. Have you ever told anyone that Jesus Christ changed your life? Hold on to that. Have you ever told a family member that Jesus delivered you from from that sin and that habit and that vice and you'll never go back? Don't go back. Hold on to it. Hold on to it. I'm thankful by the grace of God, many of my family members have been saved. I'm also thankful by the grace of God that those who are not yet saved know I didn't try it and find I didn't like it. I didn't try it and find the world was better. I'm glad they know that years and years and decades and decades later, this profession of faith is worth hanging on to. Praise the Lord. I'm so thankful I can go back to my hometown and run into people, knew me, knew my family, knew knew my former manner of living. And when they ask, is he still preaching? I'm glad the answer is not, no, he's in the bar. No, he gave it up. No, he's gone back to the old way. Let us hold fast our profession. Yesterday at one of the parades We were told by a church group that we're not doing our duty to America. so We're not involved enough in local politics. I've read this New Testament from one end to the other more times than I can count. I don't find that. I find my duty is to tell this world what Jesus Christ did for me, what Jesus Christ can do for them, how the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, can cleanse them from all sin, save their life, change their outlook, and that'll fix the politics. I don't want to let that go. I don't want to let that go. I don't know who your favorite candidate is. But whoever he is or she is, you've had to apologize for them at one time or another. I've never had to apologize for Jesus Christ. Not one time. You bicycle boys, you've got to apologize for what Joe Smith taught and how Joe Smith lived. I don't have to apologize for Jesus Christ. We haven't had to change our church because Jesus is no longer socially acceptable. Hmm. I'm going to hang on to that. I got some very early memories. I have trouble finding the keys now and then, but early memories are there. We made our first trip to see the ocean. I was three and a half years old. We were down in the Florida Keys. I was standing in the, about waist deep in the water. Remember it so well. And a big wave came washed over me pushed me under and out I can still feel it out began that that flow you've you felt that flow as the water's going out and I don't know which way is up I don't know which way is down I've, I've not learned to swim yet and all I remember is feeling my father's arm shoot down through that water his hand take hold of my arm and feeling him holding me as that water pulled and pulled and pulled against me and him lifting me up out of that water. He held on to me like he didn't want to lose me. The grip he had on my arm said to me, this is important. What I wonder today is is the current of this society, the current of the world in which you live is trying to sweep you out of that dark, deep ocean what I want to know is how tightly are you going to hold on yep. to the Word of God, to your profession of faith, to the Christian life you've established, the church God puts you in. Does it mean enough to you to hang on to that thing? Amen. It's what God asks. Yeah. Let us hold fast our profession. I think people fall out of church because they got a loose grip on it. I think people lose their testimony because it's not—it's just kind of sitting in the palm of their hand. It's not You're right. really something they hold to. Yep. If you were in a crowd, you felt somebody trying to pull your purse off your shoulder, you'd grab it. You're in a crowded place and somebody tried to snatch one of your children. You'd wrap your arms around them, hold on to them with everything you got. What I want to know is when that world and that Hollywood and that internet, those discontented dropouts start trying to drag you away from the Bible, drag you away from Jesus Christ, drag you away from your testimony, drag you away from your church, do you grip it like you would your purse? Do you grab it like you would one of your children? That Bible said, let us hold fast. Hold fast. I don't want to slip away. Not this close, not this close to the end. Talking to pastor this week, he just had a funeral service. If, if Jesus Christ grants our wishes, we've preached the last funeral we'll ever preach. Even so, come Lord Jesus. I think he could come today. Amen. If not today, I hope he comes tomorrow. All I know is I don't wanna let these things slip the day before Christ returns. And be true to God to the very, very end, whatever that end might be. I hope you feel the same way. Heavenly Father, in a world of compromise, in a world of apostasy, in a world of dropouts and quitters, Lord, would you help us to value what we once valued as sincerely, as completely as we've ever valued our salvation, our Bible, our testimony. God, may no one, no one ever look upon our lives and say, I guess that Jesus thing wasn't what they thought it was. Lord, you're everything. You are all in all. Please, God, may you find us holding tightly to the important things of life. In Jesus' name we pray. amen. Amen.